This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The U.S. drone strike that killed General Qassem Soleimani has heightened tensions in the Middle East. Millions of Iranians are mourning his death, and the U.S. is once again viewed in that region in a negative light. Iraq's parliament has voted to have U.S. forces, about 5,000 in total right now, removed from the country. So what does this all mean for the U.S. right now? Joseph Westfall is a former U.S. ambassador to Saudi Arabia in the Obama administration. He is currently the inaugural Chang Sun term professor at Penn's Loud. Institute, and he joins us here in studio. Good to meet you. Good to meet you, Dan. Thank you. Uh, you you also were also Undersecretary of the Army as well, and right. I wanted to get your perspective on this first from a military perspective. Uh, take us through the process that occurred uh, in, in going after this, uh, going and doing this strike. Right. I, it's hard to determine exactly how this administration worked that, but it, it, it typically you would have the president, the national security advisor, the secretary of state, secretary of defense, all meeting um, to d- discuss options and to look at what is the best way to, to address this particular individual, if this is the, the problem they're trying to address, or the broader uh, perspective of what he's doing in the region. Uh, I'm not sure that that happened. I don't know whether it did or didn't. You know, he doesn't have a full team there with experience. Right. So that's one of the disadvantages that I think the president has. Um, and uh, I, I believe that given the, you know, what people have said in the media, that is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and Secretary of State, that there was agreement on, on this particular action. And, and it seems like with, with Soleimani, he is considered to be a very important player within the structure of, of the military uh, in Iran and some of the activity that occurs outside of Iran as well. Right. You know, in, in Iran, you know, you can bifurcate their government. You know, you have the, the religious community, the Ayatollah, the supreme leader, and under that part of the government uh, rests all the military, including the Quds Force, which uh, Soleimani heads, um, the, the army, the navy, and et cetera. The foreign minister, the president, are in a separate part of you know separate part of a, of a broader government uh, structure, with little or no, in my view, uh, authority over these um, of the of the military. That's an interesting side to the story because, in the last couple of years, I think we have seen what a lot of people perceive to be maybe some slight changes within that. When you're talking about the president of Iran having more of a voice, the prime minister having more of a voice. But you still have that religious side of Iran that has an incredible level of control. Right. They not only control, but a real animosity towards the United States and towards the West in general. Um, They sort of are also challenged by the fact that they they have enemies within the region, i.e. Saudi Arabia, uh, Israel. And so they um, they pretty much hold the power, and they hold the military power, which is which is key. And the president and the foreign minister really can't act without the permission of the supreme leader. And he, you know, there's there's not a parliament. There is a parliament, but it's not a parliament that has any any re, any real voice. What do you think then is the? And I guess I'll ask you this question pre Thursday. Uh, what has been kind of the status of the United States in, in that part of the world over the last, let's say, 24 months? Well, I think, I think you know, we've, we've tried to really build a strong relationship, a stronger relationship with Saudi Arabia. Uh, when you say 24 months, I'm assuming you mean the, the Trump administration. Yeah. So 
um, beginning with the first trip the president took was to Saudi Arabia and sort of strengthening that relationship. Uh, that doesn't go f well with the Iranians who believe that they have a big role in the region as well. And given their proxies in Yemen, in Hezbollah, in, in Lebanon, and in Syria, uh, and, the, and what they're doing in Iraq, that poses a real threat to our ability to foster a strategy of um, peace and security in the region. Um, this, you know, it, when I was ambassador in Saudi Arabia, just to give you a couple of examples, um, there was an accident in the Holy Mosque during the pilgrimage. Some cranes came down. That injured a bunch of people. Some of them were Iranians that were doing the pilgrimage. But there was another part of that pilgrimage where almost a thousand people got killed by a stampede in an area where there wasn't enough exits and people were panicking for some reason, and um, the, there about 400 to 500 Iranians died in that stampede. Uh -huh. That created a huge animosity between the, um, the Shiite clerics in, in Iran and, uh, and the Saudis, which are Sunni, of course. Um, and so as a result of that, eventually, few I forget exactly how many days later or months later, the Saudi embassy in Tehran and a consulate in Mossad were, um, were burned to the ground by, by a group of, of people that were not stopped by the sure. Iranian authorities. At that point, Saudi Arabia broke relations. Um, the Iranian ambassador, who I actually got to know a little bit when I was ambassador in Saudi Arabia, had to leave. And that broke the diplomatic relations. So you've, you've had those kinds of clashes going on in the region that have acerbated this. You had the bombing of Aramco um, yeah. recently. You also had, um, you know, uh, other incidents that have occurred in the region like that between uh, Iran and, and, and the Sunni countries. And, and do we know at this point still about that bombing specifically? Because that was... You know, t targeted with drone strikes as well. A exactly who ended up being the responsible party on that? Yeah, I think the, I think the the information, at least that I have seen coming from um, our government and from other sources, is that uh, there was definitely the Iranians uh, in, in a at a military uh, base near Basra or near the Iraqi frontier. Yeah. Um, you know, relatively easy. We we had been warning the the Saudis for ever since I was there for sure that they were very vulnerable to these kinds of attacks. Uh, should the Iranians or anybody else, for that matter, want to damage facilities, including desalinization plants and other things? So, in, in the weeks and months ahead, then, if these tensions continue. Things like oil will obviously be a, a, a significant focus, right. and a location like the Strait of Hormuz will be totally. a very important area as, to, as well. Right, totally. So when I think, when you think about what the economic impact of all this been, you know, that would be the first one. You know, what will happen in the Straits of Hormuz? What was what will happen in the Gulf region with respect to um, the movement of oil, um, gas, and uh, liquefied natural gas, and other other elements. Uh, so that's a that's a big factor, and uh, the second the second factor, of course, is that investment in the region, which is desperately needed by most countries, from us, from the West, from the China, from Russia, from other places, that investment is going to probably take 
a hit on right. this. Uh, people are going to be concerned about whether they can invest safely in the region if these kinds of um, you know uh, actions are taken. And, and and Iran was also an economy that's been struggling mightily over uh, a period of time, but was starting to make a comeback as well. And part of that was the uh, uh, was the Iran nuclear accord that was uh, reached by the Obama administration. Right. Um, yeah, and, and you know we we in the Obama administration there, there were obviously different minds about this. I was of one mind. Um, I remember having a discussion with Secretary Kerry about this, about the fact that we needed to do much more to restrain Iran in the region, to say to them, look, let's have this deal, but also get out of Yemen so we can stop this war that's going on, there's atrocities that are taking place there. Um, you know, leave Lebanon alone, you know, um, you know, stop meddling so much in Iraq. We could have we could have put that into the into the negotiations and we didn't. The president and the secretary were determined to get this agreement and they felt the Iranians would walk away if we pushed too hard on these other things. We don't we'll never know the answer to that. But right. that was a that was a factor and um, that was why so, so many people inside the United States, including Congress, opposed the agreement to begin with. So then it didn't have that so then what type of approach do you think is needed in that part of the world right now? And I say Iran, Iraq, all of those areas, because obviously Iraq is now talking about wanting U.S. troops out of their country as well. Right. Well, I, I would, you know, if I were an advisor to President Trump, I would say, listen, uh, the best thing is for you to leave your options open. That is not to tweet and not to divulge that you're going to attack this or you're going to, you know, you do this and I'll do this, you know. Just leave options open and start working with your partners in Europe and in the region to see if you can, you know, come up with some kind of a relationship with Iran through these other intermediaries that will calm the situation down. You know, we, we have not truly responded uh, to all the things that Iran has done in the past. The bombing of the Aramco facility, neither Saudi Arabia nor the United States nor anyone else responded to that. Yeah. Militarily, you know, we could have taken out that base, for example. Um, we didn't respond to the, 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 the various attempts to uh, mine ships in the Gulf recently. And and so the things that they have done, for example, when Re President Reagan was in office and I worked for President Reagan, uh, there was the bombing in Beirut that killed, yeah. you know, I forget how many military and a bunch of uh, civilian people. Too, yeah. A terrible bombing that was partly supported by the Iranians and the Syrians. We, we did nothing on that. Um, so they have been able to get away with a lot of things that with no repercussions to them at all, militarily or otherwise. Well, then there's also the U.S.'s relationship with Israel as well, right. which you have to take in as a factor in all of this right. going on at this point. Right. So, you know, so I, I think that, you know, killing this individual, uh, while he was definitely bad news in the terms of all the things that he was engaged in, in all of these countries we've talked about, um, you know, I think more effectively would have been to do something to uh, to stymie their military uh, adventurism um, rather than target an individual. Because that gets into, um, in my view, gets into this whole business that you're seeing now in Iran with this personal 
uh, he's a hero. He's a world leader. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a Iranian leader, and 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 you've you've uh, you've assassinated an individual versus responding to a military uh, action that they have taken. And, and to a degree, and and from what I read in the papers, there have been in the last few months also quite a few. Uh, there's been a question of who the, the what type of leadership should be going on in Iran. Lots of protest as well. And so to a degree, this may have even galvanized all of Iranians behind against the U.S. to a degree. Yeah, I, well, it definitely it offers an opportunity for them to come together, whether or not this will last and how long it would last. Um, that's why I think this is the, op- the, the, the here's the time for the president and this government to try to bring its allies together and have a more cohesive policy uh, towards Iran and and have some kind of dialogue that says we can't continue down this path. So how much of that is going to fall on the on the shoulders of Mike Pompeo, at least in the short term? Well, it should all fall on his shoulders. You know, uh, I didn't, uh, you know, I saw him on the news a little bit yesterday. Um, I haven't talked to him about this, but, you know, I saw him in the news and and he was pretty much, uh, you know, supporting the president's action and not yeah. saying much beyond that. Uh, we'll see what he does. I mean, if you see him, you know, all of a sudden heading to Europe and, and meeting with European leaders, uh, that's a, that's probably a good sign. Is there – one of the other elements that the president has brought up, at least in the last, I guess, about 24 hours, is the potential of sanctions against Iraq because of the fact that Iraq uh, has talked about wanting U.S. troops out of there. But when you think about the idea of sanctions in general, how effective can they be when you have these types of situations? Yeah, they, they, I don't think that that's the way to go. I mean, I, I definitely do not think that's the way to go. And Iraq is, is splintered between Sunni and Shia. Um, it is, um, you know, the, the gateway into Syria. I mean, it would basically give that whole region, you know, that whole Iraq, Syria, um, and, you know, to the forces of Iran and to um, the the Russians. That's that was going to be my yeah, next yeah. question: whether yeah. or not it opens the door to Russia to have yeah. even more influence yeah. in that region. And there's more. There, there are more um, relationships beginning to take place between Russia and Iran, uh, which is, you know, somewhat to stymie us. The Chinese are are getting very involved in in. Um, East Africa, uh, Djibouti, and places like that, establishing military bases and and growing their influence in the in that region, which is really important from a market standpoint. And we're not doing anything. I mean, I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. So we are we are largely losing our ability to to really influence our posture in the region. How important then? And you alluded to it before. How important could our European allies be in this entire process moving forward? I think they're very important. I think they're very important because Iran in the future offers them, perhaps even more than us, uh, a really viable and important trading partner. They would like to see these sanctions go away so they could trade with Iran. Um, And so anything that that can be done to reduce the level of of, uh, antagonism here and, and get some agreements going would be to their benefit. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.